So one of them is the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapters 3 and 5. The other one is an outline of our conversation today, entitled Providence and Prayer, uh, if God already knows why pray. Uh, as, <clears throat> as I mentioned um, uh, last week, I think, or maybe in, in the announcement um, about this, uh, we, we have three weeks to answer every question you have about prayer. Uh, actually, I've got a plan that I'll tell you for more as we go. But we, we're starting uh, this off. We're going to spend three weeks on this specific topic that is an issue that is a part of the, the, the furniture of our hearts and lives as we think about um, how does this really work. And, um, and so there's a series of questions we'll, we'll address during these three weeks. There will be more questions we will address in the coming year in another format. I'll, I'll tell you more about that when we get closer. But um, uh, some of you have asked, and there is a book. In fact, the subtitle of our series is If God Already Knows Why Pray. It's a book by Doug Kelly, a professor at Reformed Seminary when I was there. And uh, and uh, there are a few copies on the book table out there. They're $10. It's not required for what we do, but I know some of you are, are avid students and readers. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we do need communion later, don't we? Yeah. Um, so you can, you can dive a little deeper into this. I've borrowed a few pieces from it uh, for these three weeks uh, just to, uh, to help us. And there are other books. I will give a short list um, before we finish, not today, but, but next week, of other books that I'm drawing from in this that would be references for you if you want to go further thinking along, this, along these lines. Let me, uh, let me pray for our time. Father, we pray at your invitation, and uh, we don't understand all of the aspects of, of that invitation and how you hear our prayers and move toward us, and, and yet we do. We do because you've... Um, invited us to, and that alone is um, our, our doorway into the kind of conversation that we want to have together today with one another, but we pray that you would teach us, use um, your word in our lives for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, this, uh, what I'm going to do is just sort of walk through uh, some passages of scripture that really, that I believe seem to kind of capture uh, some of the, some of the threads to this, to this matter, to this question, uh, if God already knows, why pray? Uh, we start with this notion of the providence of God that I've just called unequivocal, that that is Part of what that second handout in your hand is all about, the, how God's providence is um, grand and glorious, it's firm and full, it is, um, a, it is how God rules this world. We'll talk about that, but uh, you certainly see it in Ephesians 1, in him we have an, uh, obtained an inheritance, having been, that should be, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. We're not drilling down into the notion of predestination at this point. We can talk about that later, but what I wanted you to pick up from this is 
that it's an inheritance that God has um, arranged and works all things, all things, according to the counsel of his will. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. That's Old and New Testament. God's unequivocal providence. And then there are these straightforward promises of God that come straight at us. Jesus answered them. Have faith in God, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it shall be yours. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask me anything in my name. I will do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And then there's the troublesome experience, the straightforward promises, the unequivocal providence, and this troublesome experience of the people of God. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? Save me, O oh God. I am worn out calling for help. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Those... Um, those last ones are, one was from Habakkuk, two were from the Psalms. That's the prayer book that, that God has given us, words to pray when we don't know how to pray. And, and we take those bold, straightforward promises, we take the, the providence of God, and then there's our troublesome experience that leaves us sometimes reeling and still praying. And at some point, uh, wondering if, as Nate said at the end of the service today, that he is one who can be trusted. So we all have a, a variety of uh, ways to sort of um, deal with some of, those, um, some of those things. But what I wanted us to do, just to get some handles on this and to move forward, is to try to unpack what, what do we mean, what does the Bible mean when it talks about the providence of God? Uh, the, the theologians that, that framed and, and, uh, and wrote uh, that confession of faith were answering the same questions. And you'll, if you, your homework, if you would choose to do it, is to, is to take the, the, the Scripture references that go with the decrees of God and the providence of God and see where, where, those, where, they were, where they're rooted in God's revelation, this notion. I just cited a couple, but the whole document, the whole doctrine of the providence of God is, is carefully spelled out. 
Um, if you would look at this handout that, it, that begins with Providence and Prayer, God Every Knows. Um, and I'm just going to walk through. I'm not gonna, this, we're not going to do this word for word. I'd love to just hear. Um, I'm going to kind of walk through this Providence section, and then I'd like to hear from you, just uh, questions or further thoughts related to this, if you have any, uh, just related to this Providence piece. But here's the framework. Uh, this is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, another that you don't have printed, but here it is. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. His most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing. Those are key aspects of providence, Pre- preservation and governing uh, all his creatures, all his creatures and all their actions. Um, J.I. Packer uh, attempted to um, unpack this in his, um, it's found in a book called Concise Theologies, which were notes from a study Bible um, compiled. If creation was a unique exercise of divine energy causing the world to be, providence is a continued exercise of that same energy whereby the creator, according to his will, A, keeps all creatures in being, B, involves himself in all events, and C, directs all things to their appointed end. Um, That's meant to be concise, not exhaustive, but again, the title, Concise Theology. Uh, Here are three passages. Uh, I've read uh, two of those. You'll recognize Genesis 50. Uh, you intended for good, um, for bad, but God, evil, and, but God intended for good. And then Acts 2 is the picture of um, God handed Jesus, you killed him, God handed him over uh, for his purposes. Um, but I like this uh, part as well uh, in Packer's words. The doctrine of providence teaches Christians that they are never in the grip of blind forces, fortune, chance, luck, or fate. All that happens to them is divinely planned, and each event comes as a, a new summons to trust, obey, and rejoice, knowing that all is for one's spiritual and eternal good, Romans 8, 28. We're never in the grip of blind forces. Sometimes it seems like we think, um, well, if I hadn't prayed, it would have happened anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one way, we, one direction we go. And there's sort of a, a fatalism sort of embedded in that. But this doctrine of providence is not that. It, it's not a blind chance. It's not just a matter of, a story unfolding, it's, but there's an author to the story. <laughs> there is a hand involved who's, who's writing a story, and it is directed, and it is purposeful, and it is personal. Uh, so it's just in contrast to the way um, many of us, by default, sort of drop back into something that is fatalistic, or deistic, you know, in other words, you know, there's a God who made the world, who, who set it in motion, and then sits back. But the, the, the picture we have from the scriptures is a God who made that world, but who entered that world and is actively governing and guiding, hands-on, in ways that mystify us, that, that um, 
and yet provide for us. Um, so that's one brief attempt as we get this uh, off the ground. We're talking about providence and prayer. How does prayer and providence work together? So I wanted to start with just a bit of a snapshot, so to speak, a theo- biblical snapshot of providence. Are there thoughts that come to your mind about that picture or questions that you encounter as you come to terms with that? Uh, that it's fixed, that it is a certain, um, um, it is not deniable. It's, it's, a, it's stated, it's, it's declared. It is, um, it's not bending. That, I think that was the intent. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Anybody else? Mark? Yeah. Well, there's the, the bigger picture, of course, that we're in the midst of uh, redemption and renewing, and why, does, why, why do bad things happen? And um, there's a short answer that may be inadequate. There's certainly a longer answer that's um, kind of beyond our, our scope today, but... But the bad things that happen in the world, as we experience it, those things are the result of, of a fall. And God, in his wisdom and providence, permits. It, there's a permission. So we're quickly into the, the notion of the will of God and how does that play out. And we're going to talk about the will of God. But, but that's the shortest biblical, I think, answer that God permits it. He has permitted, just like in that story of Job, uh, God was not the cause of all of those things, but that uh, he allowed and permitted it for his own glory. Uh, That's the bottom line. And uh, to kind of get to the chase of your question is that we don't always see uh, the the glory in the, the, it's, it's hard to connect the dots often to see how could that be good. And, um, And it's not to call evil good. We never go there. The scriptures don't go there. We don't call evil good. But, but the evil things, the brokenness, uh, the catastrophes, the natural, natural and unnatural disasters, um, God in his wisdom and providence is able to allow those for a greater good to somehow, um, and, and sometimes we won't know that or even see that uh, in this world. Now, that may sound like a backdoor, you know, answer to a very important question, but um, it was explained to me once uh, like this, and I thought, well, that helps. It doesn't answer everything, but it helps, and it was this, that, that when, you, uh, when you see a beautifully woven tapestry, you see all of how the blends and the colors and the design all work together, you turn it over, and what you see is a mess. Uh, but God in his wisdom and, and providence and marvel, is, we see a mess that turns out to be a glorious design. That doesn't answer every question. I, I realize that. But uh, that can be a handle 
on a very important question that we are not to dodge. We don't dodge that because um, how, do we, how do we connect the dots? And sometimes we can't. But there's where those words that Nate said earlier, that we learn that he is a God we can trust, that we can trust him even in the, the tragedy, even in the disappointment. Um, and we'll get, we'll get to a point, whether it's this week or next, I'm not sure, but um, at some point, <laughs> um, our requests, our prayer requests, are based on what we see and what makes sense to us and what is most, and those are pretty straightforward promises, right? Your desires, and, and there's a mystery involved there that we will, we will get to about how we see things and how God sees things. Just, thanks for asking that, though. Yeah, it is obvious. Yeah. In uh, the second J.I. Packard quote, um, it says, you know, trust, obey, and rejoice, knowing that all is for one's spiritual and eternal good. Um, is it safe to say that the ones he's referring to differentiates between uh, the elect and the non-elect? Or is that kind of a universal one? Well, there's, yeah, there's the story of redemption that, that is the context for that. I think, I think that's, you could say that that is our, he is at work for the spiritual good and eternal good of those who are his. Yeah. Yeah, so... We, um, you know, your touch, that leads to this notion of God's common grace, you know, God's common grace for those who are not following, following him that are, that are in this world, that he is, it rains on the just and the unjust. He, he does things for, the, for those who are not his, intended to be a sign and an indicator that they should turn to him. But, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so we're in the... We, we're into the problem of evil and this, this, you know, this, this also spills over into so many other issues. But um, what I want you to think about as we move forward this topic is how God's providence relates to our prayers. That's really what we're trying to, uh, that, those are the dots we're trying to connect, not to fully understand God's providence, but, but if he has plans, if they are set in motion, uh, what effect does our prayer have uh, in that, in the mind of God? And so I think it's next week that we'll, we'll try to answer the question, does prayer change God's mind? Does it change how he acts? Uh, so we'll, that's a tease. Uh, we'll get to that next week. Let me uh, move us forward here a bit. Um, we won't finish, by the way, um, uh, probably all of this, and we'll pick up where we leave off next week. But here's an attempt to define prayer. And you can see as we read where this comes from, uh, it's combining larger and shorter catechisms in ways that um, fill out the picture. Um, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ by the help of his spirit with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And the explanation is the clauses that you see there italicized are the, the two which are not found in both places. So you take what one says, 
that the other leaves off, and you combine them together, and you get this full picture. An offering up of our desires to God for things agreeable to his will. In the name of Christ, by the help of the Spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. That's just a great, short, complete uh, definition, it's, it, it seems to me. We can, so we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk back to this one. We'll come back to it and touch, touch points as we go further. Um, sometimes you'll hear prayer described as talking with God, right? I mean, that's a colloquial way of God t- talking to God, a conversation with God. And that's not wrong. It's just not complete. It's, there's, there's more to it. And I actually like the way Brian Chappell um, explained it in his book uh, entitled Praying Backwards. Um, that's one of the sources I've uh, I've used here a dynamic monologue rather than a conversation. A dynamic monologue is what he calls it. And here's uh, well, I found this real helpful in this speak in this kind of speaking to God. The Spirit of Heaven stirs the spirit of the believer to speak to the heavenly Father. The intercession of the Son carries this prayer to the ear and heart of the Father. Then, in deference to the voice of the Son, with whom the believer is united. The Father lovingly responds. He causes the thoughts and inclinations of the believer both to engage the divine will to accomplish God's purposes and to inform the human will to desire and perform God's purposes. Um, there's, he, he's on to something important, if he's right, and I think he, he is, that there's a relationship between our prayers and the Spirit and the Father, of course. And, um, but but where, he, where, he, where, the, where this starts is with the Spirit of heaven stirring the spirit of the believer. Um, he is the one who stirs up, stirs you and me to prayer. Uh, we may pray because somebody told us we should. But, but there's prayer and there's prayer, right? <laughs> If I'm praying because you told me I should, that's one thing. If I'm praying because the Spirit of God has stirred my heart to prayer, and some of you've been there where you know where where there's a real engagement uh, with a Father in heaven you cannot see, but has revealed Himself and is present with you, the Spirit of God is stirring in you this conversation to speak to the Heavenly Father. Um, you know, some people, you'll hear some people say, how can I pray for you? Well, pray for my praying. <laughs> That's actually a good prayer request. Uh, pray for my praying because I need help. I need the spirit of God to, to do that work that, that moves me forward into this relationship, into this dynamic monologue. So um, the spirit of, the, of heaven stirs the spirit of believer to speak to the heavenly father. And we know from the New Testament, this word Abba, you know, we're, we're invited into this, that kind of intimate relationship. Uh, that's, as you've no doubt heard, many of you have heard, uh, the best translation of Abba is Daddy. It's that kind of informal, personal, uh, up, in my, up in his arms sort of prayer, Daddy. Um, that the Son carries our prayer the Son, our great high priest, Christ, our great high priest, carries this prayer to the ear and the heart of the Father. That's why it gets there. 
that we have a, a, a heavenly high priest who is always interceding for us and he takes our prayers and delivers them, so to speak, to the ear and to the heart of the Father. Um, then in deference to the voice of the Son who, with whom the believer is united. We're united to Christ. Christ is our advocate. He takes those prayers to the heart and the ear of the Father and the Father lovingly responds um, my guess is if that notion were to really um, take off you know, in us, that we recognize that we have a heavenly father who lovingly responds, that he's not, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have his back turned. He's actually facing a heavenly father uh, who delights to hear the, the prayers of his children, who is eagerly waiting to hear the prayers of his children, uh, it, it's, uh, it changes the, the dynamic that when I sit, whether it's on the, our, our screened-in back porch or our living room or a walk in the woods, that it's a heavenly Father who delights to hear uh, words that come from my heart and sometimes through my lips. Um, that changes the, the whole scene, <laughs> He, he loving response, and then he causes the thoughts and inclinations, my thoughts and inclinations, to engage the divine will. I want what you want. Uh, your will be done, right? Uh, I, I want to I glorify you in this world. I have needs. I want you, you're a father. You've asked to hear my needs. I want to give you my needs, but, but I want to, um, I want to fall in line with with you and, and your glory and your purposes um, to, um, to engage the divine will and to inform the human will. So I'm, I actually walk away from that prayer with um, a sense of God's presence and purpose and his activity and, and what he wants uh, me to be and do in that order, to be and, and to do. Um, so rather than conversation, think dynamic monologue that God is the one speaking. We're, we're listening to him. We're coming to him, but there's a dyna, dy, dynamic feature to it. And then, um, Doug Kelly in his book, uh, cites, uh, O. Hallisby, who wrote a book called, um, uh, prayer simply, who reminds us that prayer is the risen Jesus coming in, that should be in with his resurrection power given free reign in our lives, then using his authority to enter any situation and change things. There's resurrection power that uh, is involved. Um, I said homework like you're going to do it, but uh, I would urge you to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to take some time and look at these passages in Luke, Matthew, and James. Um, if, we, if this were more than a three-week series, we would spend the next four weeks probably on those passages. But we've got three weeks. And, and so instead, I've given you some words that describe the kind of prayer that you see there, imposing prayer, um, shamelessly persistent, even pushy. That's the picture that you get from... Uh, from, from how we are to approach our Father uh, in heaven, uh, shamelessly persistent. 
there's a continuous prayer. We're to continually do so, we're told in Matthew 7. And persistent, like those are different, they're similar, but continuously and persistently uh, from Luke 18. And then uh, James 5 is the, pick, is the story of, of Elijah, who was an ordinary man like us, who prayed and things happened. Um, those are pictures that, that have to go into how we tie together providence and prayer. These, um, and then those, the, the, the bold, uh, straightforward promises of God that were on the screen, those passages are listed right there. Um, for time's sake, let's do this. I'm going to, there's those bold promises, and then there's what uh, some people have called the fine print. <laughs> You actually heard a couple of them in the definition uh, from, the, from, the, uh, conf- from the catechism. That we are to pray, we are to offer up our desires to God for all things, for all things agreeable to his will. That's no small footprint, uh, uh, footnote. That belongs. We're asking for things agreeable to his will. We present our desires, and it's always... As Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Here's, would you deliver me? But I'd rather have your will. Your will is to be done. So we've got to tie those together, our bold requests, in accordance with God's will. So um, the fine print, um, Matthew 7, when it says, ask and you'll receive, follows your will be done in the Lord's Prayer. So those are tied, they're supposed to be tied together. It's not a blank check kind of promise. There's, we pray bold prayers and we pray our desires, but they, but they are to be attached to what we know about God's will. Um, maybe this is the time to say, it's, it's written a little bit later, but there is God's revealed will. We've, we read from Scripture things that, that, that he calls us to be and do or forbids and says, here's the path of life, follow this this way. There's a lot of gray, right? There's a lot of verses that don't a- answer every question that we have. But there are principles that are revealed that are to guide our decisions and our prayers. We take, uh, we, we take what God has revealed and we use those as um, as marching orders, basically, or as um, or boundaries or guidelines or the pathway, what God has revealed. But there's also God's secret will. And uh, that's not two different wills. That's one will, but some of it has been revealed and some of it has not. And you're in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are things that are a part of God's will that we don't have in front of us, but time and, and, um, and God's design end up revealing you know, over a period of time that we learn God's will as we go. Some things are revealed. Those things we use to shape our prayers, our decision-making. Um, and uh, I love the way... Um, John Frame, citing Wayne Grudem, put it, effective prayer that honors God and that God honors typically occurs in several spheres. And I've mentioned a couple already, but prayer in Jesus' name. That's not simply tacking on in Jesus' name we pray. That's praying in light of who he is, a light of what's been revealed about him, consistent with him. So it's not, those are not magic words that guarantee that what we prayed will occur. That is in light of who he, in line with and in light of how he has revealed himself. 
we pray that way. We're, we're, we're taking hold of him to whom we are united, right? We're united to him by faith. And it's in Christ that we, that we make these petitions, united to him. Um, that's, that's an important sphere. Uh, in the Holy Spirit, we'll talk next week a little more about how the Spirit um, takes our prayers and, and um, basically translates them you know, in, in ways. So we'll get to that uh, next time. But we're going to pray. We, uh, it's interesting uh, that in, in Luke's teaching about prayer, he says, your heavenly father, who, if an if a earthly father knows how to good give, surely your heavenly father knows how to give what? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, in one passage, it is good gifts. In another, it is the Holy Spirit. There is a connection between our prayers and the Spirit is what Luke is getting at in that passage. And so... Uh, and we're dependent. And in Romans 8, you can look at that one later, how the, how the Spirit does intercede for us. We'll, we'll come back to that one next week. So in Jesus' name, in the Holy Spirit, in accordance with God's will, in faith, we're praying in faith, with faith, trusting, believing, dependently. Uh, with obedience, uh, the, the scriptures seem to attach the, um, an obedient lifestyle to answered prayers. Um, just watch for it, and it's there. Here's two, two passages. Uh, with humility, of course, we're, we're going not demanding. We're going with humility to the one who made us, made this world, and we come to him um, persistently after continual asking and with earnestness. So here's an attempt to sort of tie something of a loose ribbon around these topics <laughs> Just because we're, we're, we've got three weeks and it's 45 minutes. You know, that's not a lot, okay? But here's an effort. Um, and that's, a lot of this comes from Doug Kelly from that book. So if you do dip into that book, you'll see these categories. We get two pictures when we look at this. We see a sovereign God with an all-encompassing plan. That might have been a better word than unequivocal. An all-encompassing plan. But we also see an ordinary man with genuine power. There's a couple of references there. So an all-encompassing plan and genuine power that belong to a sovereign God and an ordinary person. We get two pictures leading us to two complementary truths. God's all-encompassing plan is his, and he is utterly sovereign over all. That's a given. But so is human prayer really is effective in the supernatural realm. So we've got to hold those together, two complementary truths. Um, and so however, you, however we together kind of connect them, those, those things are in the picture. It's not either or, it's both and. And we've got to, and we've got to get to a place personally and corporately, I guess, of how do we really understand prayer uh, that is real prayer and God's plan is really his and all-encompassing? Jen? Would this be sort of like Hezekiah? Oh, that's a good example. Uh, yeah, they, they prayed and Hezekiah's uh, life was extended. That's you mean? Yeah, he was given... It, it, when you read the text, and sometimes those accounts uh, are... They read so that for, it's, it's presented to us from the eyes of the reader or the audience. And, and what we don't see is the behind the scenes thing. 
Did that actually change God's mind or was that God's plan all along? Well, that, that passage doesn't answer it. It just says he prayed and his life was extended 15 years. And so we, we want to hold both of those together in this um, mystery, of course. Mystery is not bad. It's just, it is what it is. Um, so those are the two complementary truths. And I've, I've already mentioned God's revealed and, and secret will. There's not two wills, but different aspects of the same will. But here's the, here's the takeaway, these last few words. God's plan does not rule out our prayer. Rather, our prayers are part of the outworking of those plans. In Doug Kelly's words, it's a, our prayers are a preparation for the release of the blessings of God. It's, it's like second causes. God has determined the means as well as the end. And our prayers are the means to him fulfilling his perfect plans and promises. So if we don't pray, is God uh, unable? But we wouldn't want to say that. Uh, but, we, but we can say if we don't pray, there's certain things that won't happen that don't happen, or at least then. It's, it's a mystery that they, they're both true, that God has a plan, he's, and he has invited us to be engaged in the full un, unfil, unfolding of that plan, and our prayers are the means. So here's, here's the ribbon. Although the main emphasis of our praying must be on the clearly revealed will of God in Scripture, this does not mean that his secret will has no connection to our praying on the contrary, when we pray on the basis of the revealed will, will, we are lining ourselves up with the person of God and thus with the secret purposes of God. So our prayers need to be informed. We can pray our desires, but, but the best desires are, are informed by God's word. And so this is what shapes our desires and our prayers. Praying scriptures is... is is kind of the result. <laughs> uh, even if it's praying laments, you know, God gives us laments to pray. And as we pray, the story unfolds. It's not to say that we understand how he is carrying out those purposes. We are not led into the secret of why he is letting strange things happen or why he delays answers to prayer. We may only be able to hazard a guess at the inner workings of God's plan but we can know as we pray, thy will be done on the basis of his written word, our prayers are being caught up in the eternal purposes of God. Um, there in the grinding wheels of providence, they are somehow being used to activate the eternal decrees of God in space, time, and history. Our prayers matter. Our prayers have effect. Um, they may feel like words that bounce off the ceiling or um, just sort of float out into the, into the fog. But if we take what God has said, if we take the fact that there is a Holy Spirit who is inside of us interceding for us, if there is a great high priest in heaven interceding for us, our prayers, stirred by the Spirit, are taken by the high, great high priest to the ear and the heart of the Father, and he hears and he acts. Uh, that alone sends me 
uh, into a posture of prayer. If I just if I just hang on to what can be known, there there are mysteries and and there are questions that we won't answer in three weeks, but there's some answers, some questions that'll we'll have better answers for each week. I I trust as we as we continue to drill down. But the, but this fact alone that you have a that there's a spirit in you who stirs your heart to enter into and to. And when we align our prayers with the revealed will of God, that we're stepping into his eternal purposes and, and our prayers matter. Um, we'll talk about reasons to pray in, in the first one uh, in, the, in the week ahead. But the first one is that we're told to. That, that by itself might be enough. There are other reasons, but we're told to and we're invited to. And the, and, the, and, the, uh, and, the, and the instruction to pray and the invitation to pray um, and the reality that I'm not just talking to myself, that these words are actually landing in a place uh, in the Father's heart and, and mind and his ear, and he hears and he cares. And, and in the midst of all of the, the broken parts of this world that ask questions like the problem of evil and why bad things happen, um, that he, he is with us in that. And that may be the biggest feature of all, that we, don't have answer, we won't get answers in our, to our prayers that explain the reasons for why something happened. Um, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and we'll end with this, but um, you know those laments that were given in the Psalms? There's a couple of exceptions. One ends with, and darkness is my closest friend, Psalm 88. There's another one similar. But most of those laments um, include words like, why God, how long, sort of the ones that we were hearing from Habakkuk and, and the Psalm. Um, why God, how long? And, and something changes by the end of that lament. And it's not the circumstances. Have you ever noticed that in the New Testament, Paul never prays about, when he's praying for people, he doesn't pray for their circumstances? He's praying for other things. And, and, and this, this is where they come together. He's praying for thing, issues that, that are internal that shape the way we endure hard circumstances. So he's praying for hope in the midst of hopeless situations or, or faith or, or, or love or trust in the midst of hard hardships. But, but at the end of those laments, um, God has not answered. He's not given them answers to their questions, but he has given them himself. And I think that's what I'd rather have, actually. We want answers, but ultimately, when, we're, when, when our prayers are why God, how long, what we need is God. We need him more than we need answers. And uh, we will have answers someday. <laughs> we'll be able to flip the tapestry over and, and see what, what God was doing. Uh, in the meantime, we, we, we pray to him because we can trust him. We've been commanded and invited to do so. And um, it just, and when I realized there's a spirit 
aiding me and assisting me and working in me, it actually leads me to prayer because I'm not alone in this, but somebody, I've got a partner who knows what he's doing, <laughs> who knows what, how to take my requests and reshape them actually in ways that are in line with God's eternal purposes. So uh, we'll close in prayer about that. Father, um, so many threads, so many questions. These are big issues and only a short amount of time, but I pray that you'd give us uh, traction as we think about uh, this invitation that you've given us to come to you in prayer, to be honest with you, to be straightforward, to take hold of promises that are bold, but also knowing that you are good. And so we come to you and echoing uh, Jesus' words, after laying out our request to be always be able to say, not my will, but yours be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.